Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this very cold Tuesday morning. And for the first time in my entire life, and hopefully for the last time, I am drinking tea this morning instead of coffee. And yes, I I have crossed over into the dark side, and I am now drinking this tea. And uh, the reason I'm doing that, though, is because I'm still sick. And I think that coffee is not helping. As much as I hate to admit it, it's not helping me. I think it's making me sicker because (laughs) I had a, a cup of coffee earlier this morning when I first woke up and uh, my mouth was so dry because I'm super congested right now. And I think it just made me more dehydrated than I already am. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink coffee. I am going to switch over to tea. And so, yes, I am unfortunately drinking tea. It's one of the main reasons I hate being sick, actually, is because I have to drink tea. (laughs) I'm just kidding, you guys, you tea lovers out there. I don't hate tea as much as I pretend to hate tea. It's just, it's not my beverage of choice. I will just say that. But anyway, I'm I'm here on the podcast because I still want to present an episode to you guys, even though I'm not feeling the best. I'm still okay enough to speak. So we're going to discuss Acts chapter 13 today, verses 34 through 52. So please uh, bear with me and excuse my slurred speech, I suppose, as we discuss some scriptural passages today. And this passage we're going to be talking about is the second half of Paul's sermon to the church in Antioch, I believe it was. And probably many of them had not heard the gospel message yet. And so Paul is speaking to them all about Israel's history and about the coming of the Christ and the prophets predicting Jesus And last week we ended with verse 33 that says, God has fulfilled this to us, their children, in raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son and today I have become your father. And that is from Psalm chapter two, verse seven. So now we're going to get into verses 34 through 52 of Acts chapter 13. And we're going to talk about more prophecies that Paul talks about regarding the Messiah and how the Messiah is, in fact, Jesus. So grab your Bible out of the version that you prefer, but I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. this morning. And for those of you who are not sick, please enjoy that cup of coffee for me. Concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to see decay. For David, after he had his own generation, served the counsel of God, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw decay. But he whom God raised up saw no decay. Be it known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man is proclaimed to you the remission of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come on you which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, you scoffers, and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will in no way believe, if one declares it to you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the synagogue broke up, 
Many of the Jews and the devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city was gathered together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things which were spoken by Paul and blasphemed. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that God's word should be spoken to you first, since indeed you thrust it from yourselves and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you as a light for the Gentiles, that you should bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. As the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of God. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The Lord's word was spread abroad throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and threw them out of their borders. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So Paul and Barnabas are speaking in the synagogue in this area of Antioch of Pisidia. And so the first half, like I said earlier, of Paul's speech we talked about last week concerning the history of Israel and also uh, Jesus, you know, the prophecy of Jesus and how the history basically points to Jesus. And what we talked about today, starting in verse 34, Paul mentions three different prophecies about how Jesus was the Messiah. The first prophecy was in verse 34, Isaiah 55, verse 3, that says, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And so that's talking about how once Jesus is raised from the dead, he was actually going to bless Israel and the entire world, not just Israel, with the blessings of David. Meaning that Jesus, who is from the line of David, was surely going to bless the entire world with the gift of salvation. Then this next psalm is Psalm 16, verse 10, that Paul states, he says, you will not allow your Holy One to see decay. And we've heard this argument a handful of times from the disciples before using this exact verse, stating that, you know, when David wrote that verse way back in the book of Psalms, a lot of people assumed that David was speaking of himself. You will not allow your Holy One to see decay. But David wasn't speaking of himself. And that's what Paul says here. He's like, no, David wasn't speaking of himself because David died and his body did, in fact, see decay because obviously he was buried and he experienced decay. So who was he speaking of? He was clearly speaking of the Holy One, the Messiah, who was not going to see decay. And that's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. He, his body didn't experience any decay. And that's what it says in verse 37. He whom God raised from the dead saw no decay. But let it be known, therefore, to you, brothers, that through this man, or Jesus, proclaim to you the remission of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things, from which you could not have been justified by the law of Moses. So Paul is stating, look, Jesus, who was raised from the dead, who is the Messiah, and fulfilled all the prophecies, has now justified all of us, meaning that our sins are forgiven us. I actually think about this quite a bit. We're supposed to have a very one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, right? God is supposed to be very personal. And when I think about personal relationships, you know, like for example, me and my husband. When I do something to offend and hurt my husband, 
Obviously, I want him to forgive me. And the same goes vice versa. But a lot of times, you know, because of human problems, my husband and I don't forgive immediately. And then we stew on something and, you know, and it ends up causing a problem because we're hurt. Right. And we kind of want to like fester on that hurt a little bit. But that's not what God does. Even though we have that personal relationship with him and he never sins against us and never hurts us. We hurt him all the time. And yet when we ask for forgiveness, God is willing to forgive us every single time because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We are forgiven. All of our sins have been cleansed from us. And so it's really nice that we have a relationship like that where God doesn't hold it over our heads or do something in retaliation against us. He's just kind to us. Every single time we ask for forgiveness, even though we hurt God on a regular basis. But Paul continues on in verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest that come on you, which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, you scoffers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will in no way believe if one declares it to you. And that is from Habakkuk 1 verse 5. And that was God speaking to the sinful generation who refused to believe in God. And Paul is saying like, look, all of you guys listening to this message, you have that free choice of forgiveness if you choose to believe in Jesus. But if you don't believe, then beware, because here is what is going to happen to you. And obviously everything stated here in Habakkuk is not good because it says you're going to wonder and perish all of you scoffers about this work that God is doing in the world. So that's not a uh, not a great thing, obviously. So Paul says, beware of all of that. And that's where the sermon ends. So Paul kind of gives the people something to think about. So now in verse 42, it actually says that the Gentiles specifically were enthralled by Paul's speech. They were like, oh my gosh, we haven't heard this before. We want to hear more of this. And so it actually says in verse 42, when the Jews went out of the synagogue. (laughs) So the Gentiles that were in that synagogue waited around for the Jews to leave before going up to Paul and Barnabas and asking them to speak again on this subject the following week. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the Jews definitely had a lot of control in this area for sure. And that Gentiles were coming there to listen, but they had no authority there. But the Gentiles desperately wanted to hear what Paul and Barnabas had to say regarding Jesus and regarding the gospel message. So the Gentiles begged Paul, that's the word that is used, begged Paul that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So it says, Now, when the synagogue broke up, many of the Jews and of the devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. So actually, there were some Jews in this area that did follow Paul and Barnabas, though overwhelmingly, it sounds like the Gentiles were very interested in this message and not so much the Jews. But there were some Jews. It says that there were a few devout Jews and some proselytes. Now, a proselyte was somebody that was a Gentile that converted to Judaism and became a Jew. And so some devout proselytes as well, hearing the gospel message, decided to follow after Paul and Barnabas. 
So Paul and Barnabas, it says, urges these Jews and proselytes to continue in the grace of God. So that means that these particular Jews and proselytes, because they had a, a different heart than some of the other Jews of this area, they were already experiencing the grace of God. And so Paul urges them to continue in the grace of God. So just continue following God, continue going down the right path. So after all of this happens, it says the next Sabbath in verse 44, almost the whole city gathered together to hear the word of God. So this means that basically all the Gentiles were very, very interested in what Paul and Barnabas had to say. And so they're like, they're like breaking the door down basically to get into the synagogue to hear what Paul and Barnabas had to say. But the Jews saw the multitudes and they were filled with the jealousy. So now as Paul and Barnabas are speaking God's word and the gospel to the Gentiles, it says that these jealous Jews were in there contradicting every single thing Paul and Barnabas had to say. And it also says that they were actually blaspheming God while they were doing this. Blaspheming God is one of the unforgivable sins, specifically the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. So once again, because of jealousy and envy and greed, these prominent Jewish people are more concerned about how they look to the public than they are concerned about their very own souls. And it's basically the exact same thing as what happened to Jesus, right? You know, Jesus was very popular and the Jewish leaders of that time period did not like that because they didn't want their popularity to get taken away from them. And they, they were super jealous of Jesus. So jealousy and envy is not a good thing. In fact, there's a verse in the book of James that I have memorized that says, Whenever there is selfish ambition or greed, you will find every type of sin. So selfish ambition and greed, specifically those two sins, which are very interlinked. You're going to find all sorts of corruption. And you can see that here also with Paul and Barnabas and also with what happened to Jesus. And, you know, selfish ambition, that's something I have struggled with my entire life. And I even struggle with that here with the podcast and with the ministry that I'm running, you know, I, I have selfish ambition in a sense where I want it to get spread because I want my words to get out there. Do you see what I'm saying? And yet that is a sin because it's all about God. It's not about me. And I think many people also struggle with selfish ambition and greed. And even Paul might have struggled with it because even Paul himself said May God increase and may I decrease. And so that should be our mantra. <laughs> may God increase, may I decrease. At least that should be my mantra. So after all of this, you know, the Jews are very unhappy with Paul and Barnabas because they're jealous. And so they're blaspheming. They're contradicting everything Paul and Barnabas have to say. And so Paul and Barnabas in verse 46, it says, spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that God's word should be spoken to you first, meaning the Jews, since indeed you thrust it from yourselves and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. So behold, we turn to the Gentiles. So I can imagine all the Gentiles like listening to this drama and debate that's happening in the synagogue 
are probably just very interested in what Paul and Barnabas are saying. And I can imagine they were super happy when they heard these words. Because for years, you know, the Gentiles are attending synagogue, but yet it's very possible that most of them did not feel welcome being part of the Jewish faith because they weren't born a Jew. And so now they hear Paul and Barnabas, two Jewish men, state that this salvation is for the Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. It's good that the Jews heard it first because the Jews decided that they were going to, you know, thrust it from them is what Paul says. So throw it away from them. They're like, no, we don't want that gospel. Right. And so then Paul states another piece of prophecy from Isaiah 49, verse six. I have set you as a light for the Gentiles that you should bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, of course, Paul isn't talking about himself when he says this. Paul is talking about Jesus and just the message of the gospel, because that is what that means. And so through Jesus and through the message of the gospel, it has now been given to the Gentiles and the Gentiles can now receive the salvation that they are longing for. So it says, as the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they glorified the word of God. And as many as were appointed to eternal life, to eternal life, believed. Now, a lot of people, I'm not going to get into the Calvinist argument here or the Calvinist and Armenian argument um, regarding predestination, but this is one of the verses a lot of Calvinists use as to why they believe Calvinism is true. And if you want more information as to why I'm neither Calvinist nor Armenian, you can check out my YouTube video on that particular subject, which I will link in the description of this podcast episode, by the way. But going on in verse 49, it says, the Lord's word was spread abroad throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up. So the Jews were still very angry, very greedy, and very, uh, they had a lot of selfish ambition. They stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and threw them out of their borders. So here, <laughs> I don't want to get too controversial here, but these Jews manipulated women to stir up a controversy against Paul and Barnabas. And women do tend to be deceived, I believe, more so than men do. And that's been true since the foundation of the world existed. Unfortunately, these Jewish men understood this and started stirring up the women specifically against Paul and Barnabas. So the women would go tell their friends like, hey, did you hear about Paul and Barnabas? How they're spreading all this misinformation and how, you know, they are blaspheming the Old Testament or something along those lines. And then the women would chatter into their husband's ears and, you know, it, it just started this whole thing. And unfortunately, it started with selfish ambition once again and with the women. So now this big persecution starts happening against Paul and Barnabas in this region. And so they throw Paul and Barnabas out of their borders. And so now all these poor Gentiles who really wanted to hear God's word and likely really wanted to keep Paul and Barnabas around for a while, were now unable to do that. But thankfully, the message of God spread in that region and the Holy Spirit was there 
to guide people even more. Now, meanwhile, Paul and Barnabas shake the dust off of their feet, off of their sandals at the city. And that was kind of like a curse, basically. Like if a city did not recognize or accept the gospel, Jesus actually told his disciples to shake their dirty sandals so that not even any dust of that city could live or reside on those sandals. And that was kind of like a curse, basically, for this city. And now it says, though, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so that's a really wonderful way to end this particular chapter is that even though a persecution happened at the very end, the disciples were still filled with so much joy and they were filled as well with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit works wonders. Even when things seem bad, the Holy Spirit can still grant us joy. That's one of the gifts that God gives a Christian is joy. And that's something I can I can speak to a little bit is there's been times in my life where I have not been happy, but yet I still have joy because I have like a hope. I have a hope it's going to end like the misery. I have a, just a hope of heaven and of salvation. And that hope kind of gives us this really interesting joy, this interesting happiness almost that we can't quite explain. And it's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit giving us that hope and that joy. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you bared with me today. And hopefully I won't sound so so sick in the next coming weeks. It's just the most inopportune time to get sick right now. You know, it always happens. It always happens at the worst possible time. Anyway, guys, look in the description for all of the links regarding the things that I do other than the podcast and check out that YouTube video that I talked about why I'm neither Arminian nor am I Calvinist. Alrighty, faithful listeners, I will see you all on the next podcast episode. Until tomorrow, happy listening and God bless.